The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. All right, church, how are we doing? Good morning. I hope you are, you're doing well this morning. Listen, over the past several months, we've been walking through Romans. It's been great. Um, It's been so rich. We've gotten all the way to Romans 9 and um, look forward to just continuing through this. But listen, we're coming up on Easter and uh, we want to do something a little bit unique and special um, over the next three weeks as we prepare ourselves for Easter. So uh, get ready for a shock. We are going to spend the next three weeks talking about Jesus. <laughs> Shocking, right? You better not be shocked by that. Um, well, listen, typically we walk through books of the Bible together. We just walk through them little by little. We love this. We're not going to stop doing this. But um, there's something else, though, that's really important for us as we, if we are to truly understand Scripture, the Word of God. Um, there's something else here that's really important, and that is how it all fits, how it all fits together. Uh, how many of you know that the Bible is not just a bunch of loosely connected stories or a bunch of loosely connected do's and don'ts that now we get to have and to live by? That's not what Scripture is. Scripture yeah, yes, it does have some stories that we get to enjoy. It does have some principles and some do's and some don'ts, as we said. It has those things in it. But listen, Scripture is one unfolding story, one unfolding narrative. And these, these stories, these laws, they're not isolated from each other. They come together in one big and beautiful story of redemption. In other words, church, I want you to hear me here. Hear me here. We need to go from the stories of scripture to the story of scripture. I'm here hear, hear this again. We need to go from the stories to the story of scripture. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's the story, church. And I really believe that one of the weaknesses of so many uh, Christians who love their Bibles, love studying their Bibles, is, is how does it all fit together? How does it all fit into the story? Because when we lose sight of that, we, we miss it, and, and we, we lose sight of how we fit into it. And church, that's exactly what I want us to do over the next three weeks as we talk about Jesus. We're going to zoom out a bit and we're going to see how Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, how they tell the story, the big story. We're calling this, this, this series, the next three weeks, Jesus conquered it all because each week we're going to examine how Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, how Jesus conquered separation, sin, and death so that we can be redeemed, restored, and we're going to attempt to just bring it all together. So let's, let's begin. 
with the big story of scripture, the meta narrative of scripture. Let's begin with the big picture. First, we have creation. Uh, in the beginning, right? God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we can talk about how the different aspects of creationism, the how, and it's a fun discussion, but it's one for another time because right now here today, this morning, I don't want us to lose sight, to lose sight of the, 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 the big thing, the big thing of creation. And there's a couple things here I want us to draw. I want to draw our attention to number one is that God created everything out of nothing. He created all things out of nothing by his word let there be and there was i have three boys so you have to forgive me for a lego analogy right here okay uh forgive me here uh but when i think about genesis and creation i I think about building a lego set which is amazing by the way you just get to see you know your spaceship your your boat whatever you have just take shape and form it's awesome but scripture tells us that it's like god created without instructions which that's pretty cool right i mean that's pretty that's pretty stinking cool he created without instruction but some of you hear that and you think well that is kind of awesome but i think i think i could do that right but here's the reality it's it's not only that god created without instructions the bible says that it's like god created without pieces and more than that not only without instructions, without pieces, but it's like he created without hands. Now that, now that's pretty cool. Our God created without instructions, without pieces, without hands. Our God created all things out of nothing and he did it by his word. That is incredible. That's creation. But not only that, this, the, the other thing here is that not only did our God create all things out of nothing by his word, but he created and it was good. It was good. After every creative act, what does the Bible says? It says he steps back and he says that was good. Well, except for one creative act. And that is when he created man and when he created woman, he stepped back and he didn't say it is good. He said, now that that's exceedingly good. That is very good. So our God created everything out of nothing by his word. No instructions, no pieces, no hands. And it was all good. It was all exceedingly good. That's creation. The next part of this, though, is is what's called the fall. And it does not take long, church. Three chapters, actually. The fall is what... it's, It's when the life that we now experience, where it all began. It's when Adam and Eve, the man, the woman, they chose to disobey God, to doubt his word, to doubt his character. The fall is when sin now entered into the story and things, things church were broken. From this point forward, creation is, as we know it, fallen. And a couple things happened here. Um, First, the first thing that happened here in this moment is, is separation. See, the man and the woman, they were removed from the presence of God, where they once walked with him, talked with him, communed with him. They were now removed from him, from his presence, removed from the garden. And for the first time, church, there was separation. For the first time, where there was once nearness and communion, there was now void and and separation. The second thing that happened is sin. 
So the man and woman chose not to trust in the character of God, the word of God, and they instead chose to their own way that they knew better, that they could be better than God. It was pride. It was arrogance. It was lust, church. It was sin. It was sin. And from that moment, sin is the mark of the fallen world. It touches everything. It touches everyone. And that is certainly true. I mean, we can look out at our world and we we look out and we say, you know, things are not the way they should be. But it's deeper than that. And we know it's deeper than that because not only do we look out at the world and we say things are not the way they should be, church, we look at ourselves. We look in here and we say things are not the way they should be because sin runs deep. It runs into our core. It permeates, church, it permeates everything. Every sin in your life and in our world, all the pride, all of the hatred, violence, abuse, injustice, wars, genocide, racism, brokenness, all of it, church, sin, and it finds its origin right here, right here. The fall is separation. It is sin. And then lastly, thirdly, it, the, the, the fall is ultimately death. The man and the woman creation now was subject to death. And, and by the way, it's not only death by natural causes, but the first death we see in scripture was in fact murder, murder church with Cain killing his brother. This is deep and profound darkness. And, and now because of the fall, we face death and and no matter our technical advances our advancements in science and health we face our mortality we face death we face our own death we face the death of those who we love this is the fall it is separation it is sin it is death but thanks be to our God, that he did not leave us there. Because from before the foundations of the earth, God had put a big and incredible rescue plan. The next step in this big narrative of scripture is the plan of redemption. Redemption as scripture unfolds, the plan of redemption unfolds before our eyes through Noah, through Abraham, the patriarchs, Israel, Moses, the law, the judges, the kings, the prophets. Please hear me here. This was not about creation redeeming itself or earning redemption for itself. No, church. This was about God redeeming his creation. And then in the perfect moment, we get an even better picture of the plan of redemption. And that was the Redeemer. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, who conquers it all, who conquered separation, who conquered sin, who conquered death, who conquered the fall, who redeemed his people. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your Bible, they tell us how the Redeemer came. Then the epistles and the letters of the New Testament tell us how the people of, of God, now the church, is to live redemptive lives, to live lives in Christ in light of the gospel, pointing us forward to the final step of the narrative, which is ultimate restoration. When Jesus comes again, 
It's the restoration to the perfection of God's creation without the sting in the presence of sin. Church, over the next three weeks, we're going to look at how Jesus, our Redeemer, the one who conquered it all, how he conquered separation, conquered sin, conquered death itself. And my prayer is that we would be able to see the big picture, the big story. And listen, listen, um, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your happiness, your life. It's bigger than your preferences. It's bigger than you. When we see the big story, we realize that we are not the center of the universe. In fact, I've heard it said the most miserable life imaginable is the one where I, where you are the center because you were not meant and created to fulfill that role. It's an empty pursuit. But when we are able, church, to see the bigger picture, the big narrative, and when we are able to find our place in it and see ourselves in Christ, in this grand story, that, that church, that is when we are able to find our purpose, our fulfillment. That is when we are able to find answers. That is when we find redemption. When we look to Christ, we find the solution to the separation. And that church is what we get to focus our time on this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you grab them? Would you open with me to Isaiah 59? This is going to be a weird morning. So I'm going to have you jumping around quite a bit this morning, but, um, the first place I want us to land on is, is Isaiah 59. Um, listen, separation is the act or state of being moved apart. And that church is what sin does. That is what the fall did. Sin separates us from God. In the garden, it was sin that drove Adam and Eve from the garden, from the presence of God. Is here's, the, here's the reality. Our God is perfectly holy, perfectly just, perfectly good, perfectly righteous, all the time, perfectly, and our sin separates us from him. Scripture says that we have all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God, and there is no one who is righteous, no, not even one, and therefore, church, we face this separation, and it is in this place that we read God's word in Isaiah 59. And we'll be looking at the first two verses. Listen to this. Verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or is ear dull, that it cannot hear. The people of God, Israel, were living fallen lives. And into that, the word of God through Isaiah says, Your God is able to save, strong to save, mighty to save. But then listen to this church, verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your sin, iniquity, has made a separation. 
Just as it was in the garden, so it was with the people of God. There was a separation. Now, yes, they had their priests, they had their temple, their customs, their practices, their feasts to help them deal with and bridge that gap. But the separation, church, it still remained because, church, the sin remained and sin separates us from our God. That was true in the garden. It was true for Israel. In church, it is true It is true today. Sin separates us from our God. And this morning, I'd like to talk about what our God has done about this separation. As I said, it's going to be a little weird this morning because I'm going to be making us jump around a little bit, but um, uh, you'll be able to keep up with me here. Uh, Keep your finger in Isaiah 59. And what I want you to do is just flip to the right, okay? Flip to the right and find your your place, hold your place in Isaiah, flip to the right and find your place in John chapter one. So we're going to read these verses. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find, I'm going to get us to find three places, okay, in scripture. And we're going to read these verses back to back to back because they're beautiful when read like this. So the first one, Isaiah 59, flip to the right, second one, John one, and then thirdly, keep moving to the right, flip to the right more, and find your third place in Hebrews 4, okay? So, Isaiah 59, John chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 4. You didn't know you were going to get a Bible drill this morning, did you? Um, But you got this. I, I believe in you. So, all right. Um, listen to this. We're going to read these texts, like I said, back to back to back. So in light of what we talked about, in light of the meta narrative, we just walked through briefly in light of the separation that we have talked about. Let's start, um, again, let me read Isaiah specifically 59 verse two. Let me read this one more time and we're going to read them back to back. Isaiah 59, two says this, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Flip to the right, John chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father full of grace and truth. Um, Church, the word here in this text in John is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word here. So so follow me. Follow me here. Isaiah 59, there is a separation because of your sin. John chapter 1, Jesus Christ, God himself, puts on flesh, comes down, and dwells with us. Get this. In other words, listen to this, church. Isaiah 59, there is separation because of your sin. John 1.14, Jesus steps into that separation. Flip to the right again. Here we go. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Meaning, since Jesus came, since the Word became flesh, since He dwelt among us, since Jesus stepped into the void, into that separation, because that is true, listen to what Hebrews says, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are 
yet without sin. And then listen to this carefully. Let us then draw with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, that right there, that's the opposite of separation. That's drawing near. That is nearness. Jesus came, stepped into the separation so that now we draw near. Okay. All right. Let's bring this home now. All right. So Isaiah 59, there is a separation because of our sin. John chapter one, Jesus puts on flesh and steps into that separation. And now Hebrews chapter four, we are able to draw near with confidence, nearness, no more separation. Oh, it's, it's, it's incredible. And I don't want us to miss this because hear me, all religion, all man-made religion is the attempt to deal with the separation. And here is the most profound and important thing for us to consider and to focus on this morning. Christianity speaks to this in a way that is different than any other world religion or worldview out there. In fact, it's a big statement, but I think it's accurate. I believe that this is the thing that distinguishes and sets apart Christianity from any and every other religion. Religion is about how we can deal with this separation, what we need to do in order to deal with this gap, how we can reach the divine. Religion sets out before us how we can overcome the separation. And hear me, Christianity does not. In fact, church, Christianity does the opposite. Christianity is the opposite. Christianity tells us loudly and clearly, you cannot bridge the gap. You cannot overcome the separation. Nothing can you can do can do that. So scripture tells us that your God came down. See, whereas religion is what we can do to deal with the separation, what we need to do to deal with the gap, how we can reach the divine, God says, I will overcome the separation. It's not about what you need to do to deal with the gap. It's about what God has done to bridge the gap. It's not about what you need to do to reach the divine. It's about what God has done to reach you. This is why Christianity is not and never has been legalism. That's why legalism is such an affront to Christianity. Because it's not about what you do and what you don't do to get yourself saved. Church, it is about the grace of God where your God came down to you. It's the incarnation. This church is the distinguishing mark of the gospel. It's that God came down, that Jesus Christ put on flesh and dwelt among us. Our faith is in Jesus, the Messiah who came to us. The gospel is all about what your God has done to reach you. Not what you need to do to reach him. Jesus Christ reached down through the separation. And this church is so huge for us to understand. 
maybe it's because Romans is on my brain. We just got, we've been journeying through Romans together. Like I said, where we made our way through Romans nine, we're going to pick up right where we left off after Easter, but I can't help but be reminded of the text we just walked through. You know, which one I'm thinking about, don't you? I mean, think about the way we ended as we finished chapter eight. Do you remember what Paul said? I mean, he asked the question boldly, what who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will it be tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors, Paul reminds us. And he, and he, and he then says, I am sure, I am sure that neither life, death, angels, rulers, pre- things present, things that are coming, powers, height, depth, anything else in all of creation, Paul says, will not separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, because it was Jesus who reached through the separation to us, church. There is no amount of separation that he cannot overcome. See, if it was about us reaching him, there's a lot of things that would separate us from him. But because he reached to us, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. We cannot reach to the void that separates us from God, but God in reaching down to us through Jesus Christ ensures that the gap, there is no gap too big, no void, no space, no separation, nothing that can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And because that's true, there's a couple of really important things for us here. And first, I don't want us to rush through this first one. First off, and most ultimately, most importantly, church, respond to Christ in faith. You're never going to fill the void. You're never going to bridge the gap. You're never going to self-improve your way out of the fall. You're never going to diet your way out of the fall. You're never going to entertain yourself or drink your way out of the fall or earn your way. I mean, we try all kinds of things, don't we? We try our relationships. We try our possessions. I mean, you, you, you name it. We try money to try to get out of the fall, but we can't. There's a brokenness that we will never be able to fix because the brokenness that we feel is the separation between us and our God. And as long as that separation, that brokenness is there, you will never be able to fix it. Ephesians 2, you don't have to turn with me there, but Ephesians 2, if you remember it, it Paul says it like this. He says, you are dead. You, you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked. I mean, in other words, there's a brokenness. There is a deadness that you're not going to be able to fix because dead things don't try hard to be less dead. They're dead, completely, fully dead. There's no like degrees of dead. You're just dead. And that's us. But fortunately, as Ephesians 2 continues, Paul reminds us, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised you up and seated with him 
in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And just in case we, Paul hasn't been clear enough, he then reminds us yet again, and this is not of your own doing, is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So you can't fix the brokenness. You have nothing to boast about in yourself because you can't fix that separation. But God. Oh, but God. So you can't come to him. So he came to you. Now, will you respond? Will you respond to him in faith? This is why the Christian life, it's not about health, wealth, success, any of that. None of that stuff ultimately matters in light of knowing Christ, in light of the fact that there is now no separation. This is why we always say around here, coming to Jesus is not about the promise of getting money, success, ease, health. It's way better than that. Please don't lessen it. When we respond to Jesus in faith, do you know what you get? We get Jesus. We get Jesus and the separation is gone and there is now nothing that can separate us from him. We are united in him, united with Christ today and forever. Being in Christ is about union with Christ. And if you don't know that kind of union with Jesus, would you respond in faith to Christ this morning? I usually, you know, say, hey, come to Jesus. But this morning, in light of everything that we just talked about, it seems more accurate, church, to say, it's not come to Jesus. It's Jesus came to you. Do you believe in him? Church, will you respond to him in faith this morning? We're going to have a time to respond together here this morning in a moment. But even now, even now in this moment, if the I pray the Spirit is doing a work. And here in this moment, if the Spirit is doing a work right now, I pray that you don't even wait for later to respond. I give you the permission to just space out on everything I'm about to say next and respond in prayer even now. Even now. Respond in faith to Christ. The second thing, and for those who have placed your, your trust in Jesus, who have responded to the gospel, here's the question. What does that union, that lack of separation, that union with Christ, what does that look like in your life? Scripture uses a word here that I think is important for us in light of what we're talking about, and that word is abide. Abide. Scripture says that for all who have responded in faith to Jesus, there is now no separation. Instead, church, there is union. We now live abiding lives. In other words, we live our lives in Christ, united with him, abiding together in him. Church, abide is the opposite of separation. One of my favorite abiding verses in all of scripture is 1 John 4, 13 through 16. 
Listen to this. Listen to this as I read this and listen specifically to the lack of separation in what I'm about to read to you. Listen to this. By this, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Their church is no separation in that. Christian, you are to know Jesus intimately with no separation. You are to be united with him. You are to abide in him and Christ in you. The Christian life church is the abiding life and that's yours in Jesus. So what does that look like? What does that practically look like? Um, Three things, three things, church, in closing this morning. First, we abide in solitude. We abide in solitude. This is just a fancy way of saying that you now get to enjoy the lack of separation through the work of Jesus. You get to enjoy the lack of separation individually in the quiet space of your life in, in silence, in solitude, in scripture, in prayer. It is simply enjoying Jesus. I got to ask you a question. This is going to sound like a crazy question, but it's, it's, I want you to really think about this. When is the last time you simply enjoyed Jesus's presence? When's the last time you simply enjoyed the presence of Christ? Through Christ, we are invited to abide in him and he abides in us through Christ. We are invited into the presence of Jesus, brother, sister. He is much more than a subject to study or a set of theological positions for us to grasp. Church, he is real. He is present. And the invitation for you today is more than knowing about him, knowing more about him. The invitation, church, is to truly, truly and deeply know him and to enjoy knowing him. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this week in the moments of quiet space this week that you have. I I want to challenge you and invite you to slow down and to focus your heart on this. Quiet yourself. Enjoy the presence of Christ by abiding in him, with him, in solitude. But church it's more than just that because we're not we're we're also we're also invited to abide together in community to abide together in community it's not only that we enjoy now the lack of separation and solitude but we are now invited to enjoy the lack of separation through Christ in gospel community together Church, honestly, 
this is one of the greatest hurts that we have faced through the COVID-19 um, pandemic. For so many of us, we're not able to gather together, to celebrate Christ, to abide in Christ together. For some of you, you've still not been able to gather together, to abide in Christ together. Church, we were created for community. We are a communal people. We not only need to abide in Christ alone, but we need to abide together to enjoy Jesus together, to worship communion, baptism, to sit under the word of God together. Church, we we need this. This is a part of God's people abiding in Christ together. And this is why, church, God's word says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't neglect, don't neglect doing this. Don't neglect meeting together. Why does God's word tell us that? Well, it's not just to, so that churches get more people in the seats. No, it's so much bigger than that. It's because we are invited and we need to abide together in Christ. So we abide in Christ in solitude. We abide together in Christ, in community. And lastly, church, we abide together on mission. We abide together on mission. So this one might sound strange, but let me unpack this one. Uh, You might have heard the saying that we need to be in the world for Christ. Have you heard that? Have you heard that? Um, Some of you might have like mugs or t-shirts with that on or hanging on your wall. If you do, Please don't be offended by what I'm about to say. I love you, okay? I love you, and I understand it. I understand it, so don't, don't hate me. Um, but but I, I get where this saying is coming from, that we need to be in the world for Jesus. I get where this saying is, is coming from. But I also appreciate what the author M. Robert um, Mulholland pointed out when he said, no, 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 we got that the wrong way. It's not that we need to be in the world for Christ. We need to be in Christ for the world. Whoo! That is so rich. That is so good. That will preach. It's only when we are abiding in Christ that we are, will are able to be empowered and indwelled on mission for Jesus. We may want to accomplish so much for Christ, but the invitation, church, is to accomplish the mission in Christ. And don't miss this, because we even see this right in the Great Commission. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Um, Jesus gives us the Great Commission. He says, go, therefore, you know, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teach them, right? He gives us the mission. But guess what? He doesn't stop there, does he? Because then what does he say? He says, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you see what he just did there? He gives us his mission, but church, more importantly, he then gives us his presence. There is now no separation through Christ. We abide in him in solitude. We abide together in him in community. We abide together in him on mission. This, this church, 
is the Christian life. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is possible only because, only because Jesus Christ conquered separation. Let's take a moment right where you are. And let's just respond to God's word together now.